out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, we love a special guest. This week is going to be the turn of Thomas Zimmerman, um, all the way from Germany, who I spoke to very recently, to find out more about indie pop. Indeed, this is quite an exciting one because uh, Thomas set up sort of gigs and tours in Germany for uh, a lot of British indie bands, but had a very fateful night back in the early 80s when he saw the TV personalities Dan Tracy, Alan McGee and many, many more. It's an interesting story, so I'm not going to bore you anymore, (laughs) Um, frankly. Um, So this is it. Um, So after several minutes of casual chat, we got down to that very exciting subject that was the early formative years. And there might be occasional moments where his... uh, youngest child walks into the room and uh, slightly distracts him. I've tried to edit those bits out, but frankly, you do your best. It was also quite late. Anyway, look, this is it. Thomas, tell us more. Tell us everything. Um, I was, I grew up in the British sector of Germany. So um, that means, when I say British sector, that means um, where um, the British uh, the the Rhine Army, you know, the, the British Army, the Rhine Army was uh, was stationed. So I was able to pick up BFBS, the British Force Broadcasting Service, on uh, FM, and um, uh, I found that um, the music on that on on, on BFBS was uh, you know a lot appealed to me more than uh, on on German public radio. So Yes, and I think this is so probably... St- I think, did John Peel have a show on that eventually, or was that yes. just the World so, Service? So basically, I, I started with daytime radio, and then I discovered, oh, John Peel's music, or Rock On, I think what it was uh, initially called. And then there was a, another um, uh, DJ called uh, David Rodigan, but he, he appeared later. And then there was Alan Banks, who's an Englishman living in, in Germany. So he had a, a great show called uh, Night Flight. So um, I, I, I joined, uh, or I started listening to um, John Peel when he was sort of playing half sides of records. Like I remember him playing Steve Hillage's L album some, sometime in, I don't know, must have been 1975 or name, yeah, something like 1975. Yes, I was going to say, I think he played all of Tubular Bells, or at least one side of it at the time. <laughs> yes, so, um... that, is, that, is, that is right. So basically that was, that was number one. So I was just going to say, whereabouts in Germany were you living or had been living? Or oh, in, were... in North Rhine-Westphalia, near sort of Dortmund. Right. In the, in the Ruhr area. Yeah, so obviously you got quite drawn into the punk scene and sort of being quite kind of excited to come to the UK in the summers. So then how did you then progress into the next phase? Because during that period, 79, Thatcher gets into power, power you know, the Conservatives mm-hmm. are basically going to be there until 1977. 19... No, 1997. Um, Yeah, so how did, yeah, so then what happens next? Where do you sort of find yourself at the late 70s? Yes, well, um, 
you know, listening to Peel and everything, and then um, going to the UK a lot. And then um, one of these days I saw, oh, TV personalities are playing at a club called The Dive in near Charing Cross. So right. I went there early and um, um, I saw one of the bands carrying or well, unloading their gear. So I thought, hmm, well, why not grab a, a bass guitar and <laughs> help them to, uh, to unload their gear. So uh, that's how um, the band caught my attention. And uh, in time for the gig, there was not just the TV personalities plus support band, the direct hits, but also Everett True, Alan McGee, uh, Stephen Pastel, um, that guy from the June Brides, Clive Solomon from Fire Records, and um, yeah, all the all these people were at the, that show as well. So my God, I, that I, was I, Phil. I guess I that got, was, was that Phil Wilson. It was nineteen eighty two. That was ninety. That was uh, nineteen. That was in uh, September or oh no, late August nineteen eighty two. Right, because I don't think. Alan McGee had even started his club in London then, had he? I think no, no, no. That at that time he was uh, basically um, an employee of uh, <coughs> uh, British Rail. Oh yes. And living and 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 uh, had his own band. Uh, I think did he have Laughing Apple at that time? I'm not sure, but uh, I sort of all met them at, at that night. And in the end, I I, I ended up on stage with uh, with Everett True, who was at that time was just Jerry Thackeray or the legend. Uh, I think it was just Jerry Thackeray. So we <laughs> I ended up on stage with him doing an impromptu um, a gig. So that was a uh, that was the that that moment in history for me when I met all these uh, people. And uh, I what I did was I knew that um, TV personalities and Daniel Tracy from the TV personalities had his own Wham label, and mm. uh, I knew that these records were hard to get in Germany. So I suggested to him, "Hey, why don't I um, uh, set up a mail order called Wham Deutschland and uh, and uh, uh, sell these records via um, mail order?" And uh, I placed an ad in German Specs magazine. Mm -hmm. And that was in uh, 1982, 83. And uh, <clears throat> in September 1983, one of the bookers from the Forum Club in Enger near Bielefeld wrote to me a, a letter, which I still have. He wrote to me and said, oh, I've heard the TV personalities are coming on tour. Can they play at my club? So I said, I wrote back to him and said, well, I haven't heard about this, but okay, I'll, I could get this tour together and they could play at your club. So that, that's what I did in uh, the first week of January 19, 1984. So TV personalities, um, when they came back, they, they obviously told uh, Alan McGee, hey, Thomas is, uh, has just done this tour. So we, um, Alan got in touch when he started Creation Records and uh, he, as an, a British Rail employee, he was entitled to one um, um, free rail trip on the continent a month. <laughs> so, so 
sometime in May 84, um, he came over with Joe Foster and brought me bags full of records. So I started to sell them on my mail order as well. And then, right. and then he, yeah. And then he uh, told me, Hey, why don't we um, organize a, a creation package tour? And uh, so that happened in uh, late October, 1984. So um, Biff Bang Pao, Jasmine Minx were supposed to play. And then in the very last minute, he said, "Ah, oh, Thomas, I've got this interesting new band from 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 um, from, from from Glasgow, the Jesus and Mary chain. Uh, they're going to be on that tour as well." So, yeah. So that's when um, that was my third tour in um, in uh, October 1983. Oh, sorry, 1984. The yeah. second one had been uh, TV personalities. Um, I had done a first tour in January, and then a second tour which was three and a half weeks um, in September, 1984. So basically it all happened from that. Um, um, Alan told John Robb from the Membranes, hey, I've got this um, promoter in Germany. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I, I continued to, to go to the UK for holidays. So uh, I was writing for, um, for a music magazine called Specs in Germany and uh, so in 1986, I was writing about all the CJDC 86 bands. Blimey, that's uh, that's quite something actually. That that um, it does sound like the stars kind of lined up for you rather well, didn't they? Sort of <laughs> to have <laughs> yeah, such an evening right, yeah. of sort of mm. you know that that night in was it 82, 83 when you sort of met all the 82, people? yeah, September or August 82 it was, yeah. Mm. So you said you were you calling yourself a tour promoter and you know record distributor at this stage. Well, Mm. Um, well, you know, it all happened one after another. You know, I started doing the mail order. Then from that arose the, um, the, 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 the booking side. And um, near where I lived in the Dortmund Ruhr area, and there was a record shop called Played Loud. So I, I bought records there and uh, got to chat with the, the two owners and then told them about the TVP store and they said, hey, why don't we record one of these shows and, and, and put out a live record? So that's when the label was born. Right, blimey, yeah. it, it, it is moving, it's moving fast. And did you, at that stage, had you sort of had, or yes, had ambitions to do, to work in the music industry? I mean, did you, was this something that you had been thinking, yes, I've always wanted to do it, but I don't know how, or was it just the fact that you saw the kind of green light constantly happening in your life? Well, in I, I um, did my A-levels or the German Abitur in um, 1981. Um, I, I did my national service in 1982 and 90, yeah, in 1981 and 1982. And then um, uh, after I finished that, I started to um, study uh, business administration at University of Cologne. Mm. So, you know, so I did that. And then um, you see through, through my national service, I was, uh, you know, I, I, I sort of was stationed in Hamburg and somewhere in the 
Lüneburg Heath. So at that time, I, I was um, I, I, I was entitled to um, a free uh, train trips on German rail. So I went to Hamburg a lot, and also I went to Ham Hanover, where another music magazine was based. So I started to write for them, and then um, yeah, so that happened as well. And you see, um, when I started doing these tours, there was a there was a moment in early 1985. The GSM, you know, I had this um, creation package tour with the GSM Mary Chain, you know, that was over. And then obviously uh, the band wanted to come back to Germany. And while all the first tours I had done <coughs> with, with Alan myself at that time in 1985, the band were already signed to a, you know, proper, booking agent in the UK. So he basically said, oh, Thomas, you can do that tour again in 1985, but um, I want you to guarantee that amount of money. And I calculated it and I thought, no way I'm gonna be able to make any money on that tour. So I thought, okay, it was great um, having had the chance to do that first tour but I think I want to concentrate on booking bands on their first or second or maybe even third uh, German tour. But mm. um, I, I love to continue to um, um, get bands from all over the world to, to Germany, uh, who are my favorite bands. So that's how I continued. So I, I, I made a decision to continue my studies and run the uh, record company agency mail order you know, as a as a side thing yes wise choice so basically yeah. at that stage you just did it as a bit of a hobby those first couple of tours yeah that's right yeah mm -hmm. and thought let's just let's um what did they is it pontoon isn't it where you can stick on 17 which is always a bit boring isn't it but you know if you twist you know that card game where you twist and you always get a thing yeah. oh i've gone bust so you you really did stick on 16 and thought i'm not going to go for Jesus and the Mary Chain for the second tour. So were you, was it the case then that you were doing the tours for all of Germany or just one little area? Yeah. All of Germany? No, no, I was, I was, uh, I was the, the German agent and for, and with the TV personalities, for example, on that second tour, we, on the first tour we did um, um, Germany and Switzerland. And then the second tour we added Holland uh, and Liechtenstein. <laughs> well, that's and, uh, yeah and but basically i was the the, the german promoter yeah yes. but uh you know i did i don't know with the tvps you know i i booked them over a period of 10 years and i think i i organized about 100 shows for them and probably saw them about 90 times so um God, you're, you're yeah. an expert on, uh, on the TVPs, really, aren't you? So, did yeah. that, mm -hmm. was it the case then? I mean, because this is the time before, obviously, computers and, and sort of the internet and mobile phones. I mean, was it quite a, a learning curve putting all this together and, and getting it all to line up beautifully and get all the... Oh, of course. Yeah. You see, um, when I booked the first tour, um, well, I thought, hmm, where I'm going to uh, book them. And But you see... You know, I looked at Spex magazine and thought, okay, where do all the other bands play? So I started to ring 
people up and I also got um, uh, recommendations. So that's how I arrived at my that first TVP tour with just like seven days. And what we did, we traveled by train <laughs> and I, I persuaded one of my one of the bands uh, from my friends that they're going to be the uh, the support band. So they 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 drove the car with the back line <laughs> and were able to do the open for the TVPs. And um, uh, I the band and I went by train. <laughs> that nice. was great fun. That was that was kind. Of, there's a beautiful picture of David Bowie and Mick Ronson on a train. Yeah, only during his um, Ziggy period, where he was eating. It looked like a fried meal, actually, but it was taken by Mick yeah. York. It's become quite an iconic photograph. And can you remember much mm. about that about the Jesus and the Mary Chain tour? Because obviously, in the UK, they were going down and getting quite a lot of headlines for their kind of riotous behaviour. What, what yeah, was that was that was right. Yeah, that was. Uh, you see, uh, that's you know, I talked to Neil Taylor the other day, and um, he. I think he was the guy who, um, who who wrote that article or gig review in in the New Musical Express in uh, early October 1984. So um, you see, the band were out of the country for the first time. So this was um, <laughs> this was uh, incredible, you know. Um, you see, there was a package tour, and I had a, um, I had asked a, a friend of mine who had access to like two minibuses, and so he, we, we, the band arrived by by train. We picked them up, and um, we 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 went together with them in two really really quite old, <laughs> uh, unreliable um, vans, and took them, uh, drove them around Germany, and at that time in 1984. The wall was still there, so when we had to go, we had to go to Three East Germany, and on the transit motorway there were uh, so-called uh, inter shops where you could buy, um, well, cheap alcohol. <laughs> so I remember that um, on that creation tour, um, uh, one of the band members bought. Um, a bottle of 97% rectified spirit. Mm. So <laughs> they uh, had <laughs> a good a couple of mouthfuls of that before the, um, the Berlin show. <laughs> <laughs> so that show went quite sort of chaotic and, uh, you know, Jesus Mary Chain <laughs> turned all the amplifiers and and and, uh, and and the uh, drum kits over and I remember that during the show the um, the promoter the legendary Berlin promoter Monica Döring um, um, she came up to me during the show and said oh Thomas um, your, your fee for tonight equals the kind of damage the band has just done on the on the equipment Right. Yes, that must have been quite a sort of um, a somber moment. One second. One second. Papa, hast du mich dafür angemeldet für das man die Clubhefte kriegt? Nee, die Theorie, das kann ich jetzt nicht machen. Papa, gibt's diese Hefte? Kann kann Ja, Theo, ich ich kann jetzt äh, gerade nicht sprechen. Kann ja? Morgen bitte. Ja, okay. <lacht> That's my son. <lacht> son number three. <lacht> so yeah. So so whereabouts in um? Oh, hello there. So whereabouts in Berlin did you uh, were they playing? 
Hello. Oh, they, they were playing at a club called The Loft. Right. I got it. Yes, because I've been, was it the Metropol Metropolitan? In yeah, the it, was, uh, yeah, it was in the Metropolitan building. Yeah, that's oh, right. Oh, okay then. Yes, I went there. It was 87 where Berlin, Berlin was cel celebrating some sort of birthday anniversary and uh, David Bowie mm. was... was uh -huh. 600. 600th birthday. Yes, I think um, he was doing his probably. glass spider tour in front of the Reichstag. Yeah. So yes, ah, okay. so what was your, yes, so that, that must have been quite a learning curve. And how did you sort of emotionally... Oh, indeed. Yeah, I was, was wondering how you curve, coped with having a band like that who were um, quite volatile. A volatile, that uh, sums it up, yes. Um, it was a learning curve, you know, that's, that's right. You see, um, um, yeah. <laughs> Um, um, the, well, you learn from tour to tour. I mean, I remember when when um, that first TVP store before it started, Dan Tracy sent me a contract, he, he, who you know, which he'd got from Rough Trade Booking Agency. They they had their own booking agency back then as well. So when I saw that contract, I thought, oh God, what am I going to uh, enter into? And you know. Who knows? I have to pay money up front. So, what what happens if the band doesn't uh, turn up? And there there I was uh, in, on the was it fourth of January nineteen eighty four at Cologne um, railway station, trying uh, trying to meet the band off the train from Most End, and they they weren't on the train. My God, I would have been in tears. Yeah. How did you and yeah. did you think? Oh, I've just lost lots of money. Just yeah. Know. Well, in the end, you see, I, I I rang up my parents. Oh, have the band called it? No. I tried to ring up uh, the phone numbers I had from them in London. No answer. Uh, I waited, I waited for the next train. No band on on tour. So I said to my friends, "Okay, you head off to to Switzerland now for the first show, and uh, you know I'll wait for them." and and then at some stage I said, well, okay, I'm now going to go on a train to Beale in Switzerland myself. And, um, and, uh, and then they finally turn up at something like 10 or 11 in the evening. So <laughs> they did play, but was, uh, I was quite, um, I was quite um, um, in, in peril. <laughs> Yes, well, I would imagine I would have been, you know, completely thinking this is um, this is going to be a financial disaster and emotionally. Yeah, that's right. But you know, it, it worked all, all worked out uh, uh, fine. It was basically the uh, the basis for uh, for a ten year um, um, cooperation. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite that's quite something. So it didn't none of this kind of put you off thinking, you know, thinking. I'm not. I'm not made for rock and roll. You're thinking this is this is definitely a good one. Yeah, you know, I really enjoyed it. I mean, obviously, um, <laughs> um, on that package tour, um, we uh, we spent one night at um, at my parents' house. My parents were were away, and um, um, and I remember, um, yeah, we we we. We split the whole touring party up in like two or three houses, and uh, so I had a couple of band members in my parents' place. <laughs> and I remember in the morning, I was 
um, going to the bakery to fetch some rolls. And when I came back into our kitchen and I thought, ooh, it's quite cozy in here. <laughs> and then suddenly I, um, I um, looked at the oven and <laughs> there were like four um, blood red, um, uh, what's it called, um, um, cooking plates. So the, the, the band members, um, they didn't know where their heating was. Uh, so they said, okay, well, let's switch on the, <laughs> the, the oven. So <laughs> I thought, oh God, what's happening here? Yeah. Oh, I think it's something that people used to do if they lived in squats, is that if there was no, yeah, central, that's, they, if there was no central heat and they would just kind of, I don't know, put the gas cooker on and just have it. Yeah, in, that's, which, uh, was, that's, which was uh, that's, kind of a bit of a strange one as well, really. So as the ages progress, because obviously, you know, you're, you're, you're right there in the sort of the height of the great indie pop explosion, you know, because I haven't done this show for a long time. People often talk about, you know, various bands that were hugely influential. There was the Smiths. The June Brides and Orange Juice, Orange Juice, mm -hmm. as well as oh yeah, the yeah. the Go Betweens as well. So you're right there because kind of between eighty two to eighty seven, you know, that's when indie pop is really at its kind yeah. of height. Mm -hmm. So then, so as the eighties progressed, how did you start to uh, then navigate the next part of your kind of interest? In well, um, 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 uh, while I was at school, I, I started to. Um, Promote shows there as well, and also I I, I um, got myself as a, a, a subscription of uh, NME, and so um, and then when the cassette thing started, I always um, ordered uh, the cassette from from the NME. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that's where that and that's how one of these days um, the C eighty six cassette was on my was uh, in, in, you know, sort of on my desk. And, uh, but you see what, what happened is, um, was word of mouth, you know, um, Alan McGee tells John Robb, um, um, TVPs and, 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 and um, Jerry Thackeray tell the pastels, they tell the, the dentists, they tell um, the times, they, you know, it was, it was all word of mouth. Um, band started to call me up and said, oh, well, uh, can we tour Germany? Or oh, the direct hits from yes. and Wham Records. Um, so, so I started uh, doing, all these, uh, doing all these tours. And then in, um, you know, I, <clears throat> I was writing for Specs magazine in Germany and, uh, and, uh, I sort of, uh, yeah, and then I found out about the wedding present, yeah, and uh, 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 went up to Leeds to visit them and uh, and basically started writing about all these bands in, in, in Specs magazine. So, um, and then somehow I thought, hmm, I want to um, book these bands in Germany. So I, so I rang up the promoters and said, well, um, uh, can we, um, uh, you know, do you want do you want wedding present to play at your club? And what happened is, I heard from 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 having seen them in England that um, they uh, they had all these twenty minute only 
um, sets they did. Right. And then I thought, no way this is going to work in Germany. Um, I will not be able to get a, a promoter to basically pay, um, you know, pay a substantial fee for, for a 20 minute um, uh, set. So what happened is I thought, okay, how I'm gonna, how, how I'm gonna solve this problem. So I thought, okay, then uh, let's uh, have some, let's do this package tour. So I combined um, wedding present with age of chance. And then I combined big flame with, uh, with a witness. So then it worked. Yeah. So yes. I was able to send the, those two bands on tour together and, uh, but still this still created a problem because I remember after the, after the show in Hamburg at the logo club, I remember I spent the whole night from like midnight to eight in the morning fighting with a promoter um, that he would uh, pay us because he was saying, oh, um, it was just, um, um, the sets weren't long enough. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was uh, strenuous, I tell you. Yeah. So was it only Germany? You weren't doing, you know, they were just basically couldn't, um, bands who just wanted to tour Germany, they weren't saying actually we want to go to Holland and Belgium as well. No, that, um, that, that's now, that's, it doesn't work like that um, normally because um, they, so uh, London agents, they, you know, they, they have their, their network and they basically appoint a promoter each for, for, for most of the major territories. Maybe they what they would do is um um book like a, a, a austrian or, or a swiss show where, where they where they only play like one 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 gig that's what they do directly but for for the other territories it's mainly a a, a, a national agent uh, that, uh, that takes care of of one country yeah that's quite something because i know from talking to various bands like the godfathers or mm -hmm. Fish, who was in um, Marillion, and I remember hearing Lemmy talking about um, touring and just basically keeping the band together. And they all—they've all said playing Germany is kind of the difference between either continuing in music or giving it up because the German audience is so passionate and loyal. So obviously, yeah, it is are. kind of absolutely key to those bands because I mean, yeah. Lemmy, Lemmy often said that they would have had to sort of just finish because there was just no one in. Apart from going to Germany, and it's also, also um, um, when we when we're returning to the, the creation package tour, and um, in the UK, most bands that time at that time were sort of used to having to buy their own beard at gigs as a as a performing musician. And now, imagine those bands come to their German backstage room and. There's a full rider of beer and spirits and and everything. So <laughs> yeah, they well, they must have felt like they, they made use of that rider before the show. <laughs> yes, I can imagine that when young people abroad never going to work, is it? Yeah. Um, what other bands did you work with? Because obviously you were absolutely on that sort of indie zeitgeist, really, weren't you? Yeah. Well, I, I think in those ten years we did about. 90 tours um, um you know f first of all tvps um, dentists the times 
direct hits, The Pastels, uh, Wedding Person, Age of Chance, um, Big Flame, A Witness. Um, um, and then who else came in? Oh yeah, then I, I got in touch with a, with a UK agent called Colin Davey. And he was, um, he was, um, he was booking some Australian and New Zealand bands at that time. So I started to book bands like The Clean from New Zealand, The Sneaky Feelings. Um, um, yeah, who else? Um, what the about Silver the Triffids? Yeah, I didn't do the Triffids, uh, but I did the Celebrate Rifles, The New Christ, and then, oh, then in 1987, you see, you see, we, we still had a, you know, we also had a record shop back then. Because um, yes. we teamed up with this played loud shop in Hagen. And so we had the record shop. And I remember I was I was in, in the shop one day. On a, it was a Saturday, I remember. And I picked up uh, uh, from the new releases, which had just arrived from Grafter, Germany. And there was an album by a band called The Beat Happening from Olympia, Washington. So I thought, wow, this is so good. So, you know, wrote to that band and said, well, I'm coming to to the US on my first trip and uh, I want to meet you and um, propose to them that I, uh, I book a, a German tour for them. So I started doing um, uh, some American bands like the Feelies, like, uh, well, I did Soul Asylum um, uh, as well. And uh, who else was there? Oh, then we also did some some American punk bands like All or The Descendants, um, uh, because the, 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 some of these bands um, were brought over by one of my partners. Yeah. So basically, we started uh, to branch uh, into sort of other. Uh, you know, other countries. Yes. And was um, you, I mean, and out of that experience, was there any particular bands or tours that you thought that was just perfect and others that you thought, mm, that was one of the worst of my moments? Yes, there were, there were, there were, there were you know, there was, there were bands which uh, sort of, which didn't really work out for me, but uh, can't, yeah, but <laughs> I'm not going to mention them. But <laughs> but, but there was bands where I thought, mm, okay, why am I doing this here? And uh, yeah, yes, um, it's always tricky, isn't it? It's always tricky. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, one second. Uh, I have to. Well, sorry, one second. I have to. Uh, hello. Hello. <laughs> England. Um, yeah, there was obviously well, there was ups and downs, obviously in a way. But uh, you see, oh, I did, oh, another band I did was Galaxy Five Hundred, um, right? And 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 the Bats from New Zealand. So that those, you know, there was always moments where where I really enjoyed it tremendously. And um, and then there came the, the then there came 1990. Oh yeah, I was I was uh, I had um, I had uh, finished my studies. I had a diploma in business administration, 
and then I decided, okay, I'm gonna look for a proper job. Mm-hmm. So uh, I became a, a product manager at CBS Records in Germany. Nice. Had, yeah, so. had the touring business, had it just broke even or had you managed to... No, it, 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 I was able to, uh, it, 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 you know, we were able to kind of live on that in a way. I mean, in, in a small, in a small scale. You know, I, I did the tour, I did the company to, with, together with um, uh, two partners and, uh, you know, it, uh, it worked out for us. We, we, we didn't make a lot of money, but um, we did yeah. not. So, but it worked out. It worked out. Because uh, Gallic, was basically, see what we, what we were able to do, we were able to travel around Germany and Europe with our favorite bands. And it, you see, what I really enjoyed is showing those bands around Germany and Europe and traveling with them and uh, enjoying enjoying the trips with them and sort of um, realizing how how um, how fond they were of the, uh, the sort of um, accommodation and, and quality of uh, of the shows in Germany. So that that really you know was great fun. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. There was the your tour where um, where um, I thought, okay, <laughs> um, this band, we're not going to uh, send on tour again. But uh, there was just, that, that was just exceptions. Normally it would, it would, it was really great and I enjoyed it. Yes. And so 89, when you mentioned Galaxy 500, I think they, were, they came to Norwich Arts Centre, yep. I seem to remember. Was that the kind of where you were starting to feel the, the kind of, not the end of it all, but you know, that, that, that you were going to want to move on to something else. You, yeah, you mentioned that CBS had sort of. Well, you see, um, my decision was to, to carry on studying and, and, and get a degree. And um, I thought, well, um, I'm going to get a proper job and, um, and maybe do you see? I, I still continued to do. Uh, I still continued Pastel, which was the company we did. But uh, most of the tours were then um, uh, were done by my uh, by my partners. So I sort of um, looked after the bands, sort of in the evenings or on on on, on weekends. Or so yeah. So yeah. I was able to, to continue it. I mean, I remember that. In, in 1991, when Beat Happening came for the second time, you know, I was still w- working for, for for Sony Music, so it was always, a, yeah, it was a bit, um, it was a bit um, str- strenuous, obviously, having a day job and then having um, having to take uh, days off to to see a band <laughs> yes. or, or travel with them, yeah. So, and then what happened is, um, it turned out that. Um, um, uh, I, it turned out that I really didn't sort of enjoy uh, my time at Sony Music too much. So, uh, so CBS had turned into Sony Music uh, in 1981. Nine, uh, 1991. And uh, so I quit and uh, did the agency full time for another year. And then uh, we, 
got an offer to uh, uh, work for Glitterhouse Records, and who at that time was a German label that had brought Sapop to Germany and to right. Europe. Yeah. So, so they were in the countryside in in Germany, and uh, so my partner and I sort of basically. Um, we quit our old company and then we we joined um, um, uh, Glitterhouse Supper Records and uh, so my partner um, he started the in-house agency called Subject <laughs> and I was um, switching to uh, running the um, the administration and finance uh, side of that company so that's when I um, you know, that's when I um, started working in finance and administration, which I, I'm still doing after, um, you know, 30 years. Yes. So that kind of brings it, you know, up to the kind of current day. Yeah, that's that's right. You see, um, um, I worked for, for Glitterhouse for, for four years. So um, then I moved on to Cologne to work for the Popcom uh, music convention, yeah, in the yeah. late, late, late 90s. Then I switched to a company called Daydream, who were running a music supervising and, 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 and music publishing business. And then I switched to V2 Records. And so I went the finance side of their German operations, and then they sort of, sort of, um, sort of hug, no, not closed down, but they didn't close down, but they sort of put their um, German office in. Uh, they 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 closed half of it. So I had another half year at Universal Music, and from then on, I went uh, to work for for probably eight nine years for. A, big German life entertainment company called DEAC and then so you know <laughs> some more now these days um, uh, I uh, work for Germany's um, biggest independent music publisher Buddha right so there you go that that is uh, quite an amazing story that goes back to that incredible time in the early 80s really isn't it that was yeah that's that's uh, that's that's right. You see, like, like a see, a couple of really um, important um, occasions for me. You know, listening to John Peel, um, 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 having you know, listening to John Peel, that show at the Dive in London where I met all these people, the the word of mouth uh, process where people just tell others, look, I've got this uh, agent here. And uh, furthermore, um, I have to thank my parents, basically, yes. because they, they they allowed me see they they allowed me to use their phone. And back then in, <laughs> in the 1980s, um, that was quite, um, quite expensive. It was very expensive, I would imagine. They it was very expensive. So they they let they, they, yeah, I was going to say it's probably a bit of a sort of. Did you have a, a sort of quarterly bill that everyone would sort of get a bit tense about when they saw the envelope and go, "Oh dear, this could be a few yeah. days." Yeah, that, so that's uh, that was a, a good thing. And then uh, I had an an uncle 
who, um, who you know, who, who had a small company and um, he let me use their, their photocopier. And, and more, more importantly, even, <laughs> I remember that uh, when I started to book these New Zealand bands, I had to send that London agent a, a tour confirmation via telex, if you remember that. Oh, blimey. Yes. Yeah, you remember telex? Yes, absolutely. God. Yes, well, I, I remember, <laughs> so, I, I remember, I remember with that NME, with the NME, I think it was a lot of those, I, you know, cassettes or, yeah, they were mostly cassettes. I think there was a few vinyl records. You'd have to go to the post office and get a postal order as well sometimes and send off. You know, yeah, postal order. That's that's uh, that's office. right. So I had, to, I had to start to you know send money to the UK and whenever a new um, um, a new enemy tape was uh, advertised, I I wrote off to IPC PO box something something in Haywards Heath if I remember <laughs> <laughs> or what. Something like that, or they had this. Uh, they had this um, address you had to send your postal order uh, uh, to. Yeah. So did that you is, uh, did you keep coming? Because there was another band I interviewed recently. I did. You know, I did one with the direct hits, but there was also the, the Hangman's Beautiful Daughters. Who... Oh yes, you see, um, my 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 friendship with uh, Dan Tracy was was really important because he he uh, was such a a great communicator so basically on while on that first tour you know that the band called Desire and Drive from which I managed um, they came on the first tour and the second tour he asked me if a band called the Go Service could uh, come on that tour um, yeah okay and then on the 1985 tour the Hangman's Beautiful Daughters um, was supported the TVPs. Yeah. Yes. So um, yeah, and uh, thanks to Facebook, I, um, I was able to um, um, uh, get in touch with you know lots of people and friends from from the old times. Yeah, um, that must be quite and, amazing. Uh, seeing, being able to sort of reconnect and, and see. Yeah, what that, it's, it's it is uh, it's, 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 uh, I love it. I I enjoyed it, enjoyed uh, so much. And and you see, obviously those tours are like thirty years, um, thirty years ago. But there's a still a, a couple of um, people who I'm in touch with regularly, uh, like like John Rob. We you know we we. We, um, you know, we um, on the phone a lot, and you know, he stayed at my flat uh, lots of times. And um, Sean Charman from the Wedding Present, um, he's he's a he's a good friend. Or um, um, obviously, Joe Head and David Musker from the TVPs. They, I'm still in, uh, very much in touch um, with them, and. Um, yeah, that's uh, I really I really enjoy that. Because and now and obviously now now with you know now you know um, then then people uh, sort of found out that I still have lots of posters and and and, and memorabilia and and leaflets uh, of that time at home. So so I've been approached by Neil Taylor for 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 stuff for his um, C eighty six book. Yes. He's, uh, he's going to put out. 
Yeah. I, so. I, I kind of, I, so. I heard that he's doing a second one, which would be nice. And, but at that time, I remember there was another band who were on uh, Wham, Dan's uh, label, and they were from Sheffield, the 1000 Violins. I did an interview with Colin Gregory, I think, the lead singer. Yes. I don't know if he, if they toured Germany, but I just sort of speak. Yeah, they, to, they, hmm? I, was, I was just going to say, speaking to some of those bands, they often, when they look back, obviously they were much younger, but there was a lot more kind of drinking and smoking and stuff like that, and, and probably debauchery. I mean, how did you sort of cope with some of those kind of moments when you thought, God's sake, stop doing that? Uh, yes, um, that, uh, oh yeah, I, I remember. I remember having to, you see, I, I you know, most of, the, most of the tours at that time were, were uh, done, you know, produ produced by myself. So, you know, I, I, um, I, I booked um, a van, yeah, and, and sort of did most of the driving at some, you know, on, on, on a couple of tours. And I remember obviously, yeah, you know, after the show, you know, people turn up and say, oh, you want to go come to that party here? And okay, okay, I'm going to drive the band to the party. And then they um, <laughs> drink a lot of beer. So at some stage, I have to say, oh, well, okay, can we go back to the hotel now? We got to, uh, we have this long journey to, to Zurich tomorrow. And uh, can we please go now? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> And then you have to sort of uh, get up at eight and um, get the band uh, out of bed, which um, which has uh, turned out to be. <laughs> sometimes it was difficult. Yes, I would imagine. Some... And did you have any bands that broke up on tour? Did you have any that had a fight within them? Because often touring does push a band's kind of dynamics to the limit, doesn't it? <clears throat> Um, no, that never occurred to me during a tour. Obviously, there were fights, but um, but um, we've never had the situation where a band basically um, finished. Finished. Yeah. Uh, at least I don't think it it happened. No. <laughs> Probably when they on the last night. I mean, did you see yeah. some bands that you thought? God, they're going to break up very soon because they definitely hate each other. Um, yes, uh, well, I've had that. Yes, um, but I, I need to. I would have to sort of uh, um, think about it. Yes, probably. <laughs> and, and go through that uh, list of, um, of of bands where <laughs> where where things like that um, happen. And I remember on that. Yeah, I think drugs was a uh, uh, drugs were a problem sometimes. I remember I was um, um, on the way to Vienna with the membranes. So we crossed the German Austrian border and we were sort of um, pulled out, whatever, you know, they, they, the, the, the border police uh, made us to, you know, stop, and uh, we had to drive the van into a garage, and then they sent the uh, the dogs into the uh, into the um, the bus. So, and before that, we had to, you know, put all the gear out. So, and then suddenly, 
one of the dogs, um, they came, you know, they had found something, you know, and I was, I was really, um, I was really in, 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 um, you know, well to call it, you know, I was really angry. I thought, oh God, now we're going to be searched for drugs and uh, we're all going to end up in prison or whatever, or in custody, whatever. So, but in the end, it turned out that they didn't, the dogs didn't find anything. What they did find was uh, some type of placebo thing, you know, to, to which, which the border police um, used to get the dogs uh, some kind some kind of um, um, experience that they found something, you know. Oh, right. <laughs> God, that must have been a heart-stopping moment, actually. And did you? Yeah, and I remember with the with the with the Jesus Mary chain on the way on the on the we were we were on the border from Switzerland to um, France, and then we were searched again, and um, and there were some substances in the in the van so i thought oh god <laughs> uh you said i wasn't taking drugs at all at all and uh, so i thought oh god i'm gonna really i'll be in trouble now but it all went fine but uh, these were the moments when i thought oh no <laughs> yes well, absolutely and did you i mean just kind of um i know when going to berlin you had to go through that corridor didn't you did you was that quite a traumatic experience for you and the band? Because it's quite... It must yes, be yes, yes, because uh, sometimes you never knew if um, if uh, we'd experience uh, trouble, for example, speeding tickets, or if they maybe wouldn't let us into the country. Um, yeah, or bands maybe provoking the, the border police. Yes. Uh, I remember. I remember one one occasion when we went into East Germany with a wedding present, and <laughs> I remember when the the, the the you know you had to sort of um, um, give them your passports, and then the, the passports were checked, and they sort of travelled through a sort of conveyor belt to the next booth, and then basically the border police. Took the passports and came to the car, and so I remember the the border police saying, "Ah, Herr Getke." So he was uh, Herr Getke was obviously David Gage. Oh, right. <laughs> Herr Getke, and obviously they they didn't speak English, so they they um, <laughs> they were sort of looking at all the musicians and all the people in the van and looking at them and trying to make everybody feel, oh, very soon you're going to be searched or, or sent to prison or whatever. So that was always um, a critical um, a moment, which I've experienced a lot over, over a period of five years during my um, trips when the wall was still there and you had to go on the transit motorway to, to Berlin. Yeah. Yes, it's quite interesting. I know because I had um, my friend, his brother had, had sort of was one of those young people who went from uh, living in the UK to living in Berlin. There was a whole group of them. They sort of I think they got a transit van and went Berlin. That's the place we're all going to go. They were all in their late 
teens and early 20s. And they all worked on those kind of American bases. So they seemed to sort of mm -hmm. be able to pick up work and make lots of money. And, and slowly, apart from one of them, they all sort of slowly came back to the UK. But it was quite interesting how many people went to Berlin during that time, especially from the UK. And obviously other people from Germany, because you didn't have to do national service if you were in Berlin, wasn't it? Yeah, that is right. That's, um, that was um, the, the, that was the thing that made Berlin special for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, they would go, they would go to Berlin. But, um, yeah. and I was going to say, because when we went to some gigs, he said to me, or us, he said, by the way, the German audience, they won't move at all until the encore, and then they'll start dancing. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and um, okay. it was true. It was really strange. I don't know if it was just the sort of band, we didn't see many bands when we were there, but it was like, Everyone was just very polite until you know the old mm. thing. It was oh, okay. yeah, really. <laughs> um, so, That's... did you have that kind of uh, you know, at all experience? I mean, in the, or whether or was it just the, the bands that we went to see that time? Um, can't really remember because it all depended on the, on the band, really. You know, some for that what you've just um, um, pointed out. Did happen with some bands, but there was always there were well, there were other bands who where people were dancing all the time. So yeah, uh, yeah, and um, that brings me back to the um, package tour thing in 1986. Um, it wasn't just the the fact that the the sets were um, just 20 minutes long. The other thing, which was a no-go um, item in Germany, were not bands not playing an, an encore. <laughs> <laughs> that that that, um, that did not go down very well uh, when when bands don't play an encore. <laughs> right, yeah. I remember. I remember that. I mean, in a way, it was. Um, it was, um, yeah, it was, uh, I was, you see, I always, uh, reminds me of uh, having read um, John Savage's book called England's Dreaming, which yes. um, was, which was an important book on for me. And, uh, you know, and when I found out that um, playing encores in a way is a bit rockist. So, <laughs> so I thought, oh yeah, I can, like, oh, I, I can't blame a band when they don't want to play an encore. But that was um, something I remember was a was a problem yes. in Germany. I can imagine. I would imagine Big Flame probably had a problem having yeah. a long call. Really, oh they? yeah, yeah. That is um, that is uh, that is right. Um, yeah, we'll have to think about um, which bands were having lots of arguments. I have to I have to think about this. <laughs> Yes, that must have been a out. long, long couple of weeks when you had a band that had a bit of a, this isn't really a happy place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that it has happened, but uh, we'll have to think about that. Um, think with the feelings were a problem, but um, <laughs> oh yes, um, I'm, I remember um, um, one of the guys in the feelies. He was. 
a vegan back in 1988. Mm. Right. And at that time, um, you know, it was always, it was always, was sometimes difficult to accommodate vegetarians in Germany, but vegans, there was, um, that was very, very difficult. So, yes, so I you, you'd I was going to say, I, order, I went as a, ve a vegetarian um, to Berlin, that was 87, and it was like, oh dear, and I'd get a plate and it's like, oh, just pick, just don't eat the meat, and it's like, you know, within the dish, it was like, um, okay, not quite, quite just yes, because, you know, it was like, we don't have, there's no, there's nothing, there's no vegetarian part of the menu, it was like, just. And then, I remember with the, uh, with the. Um, a guy in the, the feelies, we would look on the on the menu for a vegan dish, and I we thought, okay, onion soup, <laughs> yeah, onion soup would be good. And then the the, the onion soup um, appeared, and it had this uh, sort of um, cream topping on it. <laughs> So we had to send it back, yeah, <laughs> and and um, what was I can't remember what the um, the guy in uh, the Phillies was who was a vegan. But uh, that was a moment when I thought, oh, oh no. <laughs> I know that was very strange. I mean, it wasn't great in this country being a vegetarian at all. But anyway, things have changed. But look, what's interesting then? I mean, if you've got. You know, if you could have told a 16 or 18 year old self, you know, some worldly advice starting out and after all these decades in music, what, what sort of what would you have whispered in their ear or your ear? You know, just what you've learned, you know, those kind of things like, yeah, that's that's a few things. Um, well, I have chosen um, to, for myself to turn my sort of hobby into a, a profession. Um, it, I can tell you this is something that is very good for your own personal job motivation. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's great when you, you never have to sort of, uh, you know, say, oh, I hate my job, but the pay is good or whatever, mm. or, you know, that's, um, the only thing I have to say, you, when you do this in music, you sort of pay for it with um, with a sort of a, a kind of lower pay level. Yeah. So if you if you wanna if you wanna earn lots of money, then obviously you have to work for a car maker or become a, um, a doctor or a, or a, a tawny, whatever, but um, if you, um, you know, you probably are going to be able to earn lots of money. But if you really, you know, want to enjoy loving what you do and, and work in the mu music uh, industry, yeah, you can, you can do that. And uh, but you'll, you'll sort of have to pay for it in a way because the most companies obviously know that people want to work in this. Um, um, trade and uh, so they they don't have to sort of pay um, that much money you know pay their, their 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 
employees too much uh, that much money so you know you that, that's the sort of kind of deal but yes. it was a uh, it was uh, a f fine for me i mean obviously nowadays after 35 years in uh, well, 30 37 years in, in music obviously it's um, it's worked out for me so you know i can feed my family and stuff you know but um, yeah that's uh, so so there, there's still um it's still possible to work in that trade here and um um and so my advice is don't um, yeah you see what i advise people is you want to um if, if you want to um, go for a, like a promotion job or for a creative or a r job or product managing job you'll be able to uh, maybe even earn lots of money and but then you are being made redundant when you're like i don't know 37 because you're too old and um i basically switched to finance and uh, administration um, after I left my job at Sony Music. So, you know, I've, um, I will be in a position that I can be working that trade, uh, you know, until uh, I reach the pension age, basically. Yes. So I'm, 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 I'm fine. It's not a uh, doing finance and administration is not the the coolest job you can do, but it's um, you know I enjoyed a lot. You know I I I, I, I enjoyed uh, uh, a lot, and I'm able to use the experience of like you know having worked in that trade for 37 years. That 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 experience is still being uh, sought after a lot. So. I still enjoy it. Yeah, so that's basically my my um, my advice. So you have to basically decide you want to, you know, if you want to go for quick success, then you know you can be a very important A and R or product manager or PR person, um, but you'll have to sort of um, you'll have to sort of uh, experience that you cannot do this job uh, when you are like older than 40. Yes. Because, yeah. because music, music still means the people who consume music and spend all their money on, on music, they're usually kind of youngish. So people in the, in the trade probably always think, oh, you need to have people that are kind of the age of their um, uh, customers, and so in order to properly promote a, uh, a product. So when you're too old, then you have to go and I don't know either leave the music business or or become a, um, a freelancer uh, and contractor and uh, and have a big problem because uh, it's not easy to. Um, survive as a as a contractor you know as a as a, as a freelance person in the music industry when you're when you're sort of over a certain age yes well, absolutely. or you have to be or you have to be managing director then you know that that works out fine as well 
that, that, that was good. I'm, I'm really just, I'm just uh, pleased that you've kept all your memorabilia actually in your posters and flyers and various things. Yeah, and once again, I'm really grateful to my parents because um, they, they've, um, <laughs> they let me store it in their, in their, in their house. So. Yes, absolutely. Well, I look forward to seeing Neil's book in the summer and uh, this year or sometime with some of this memorabilia in, actually. It'll be nice. Yeah. And uh, you see, I have to, you know, uh, my problem is I have to sort of um, um, find the time or actually get to to go to my parents' house uh, soonish in order to, you know, dig in my vaults. But uh, during the COVID situation at the moment, this is not very... Uh, easy and you know my my parents are uh, 80 and 90 94 now so um, it's uh, you always have to make sure that you don't bring any virus into their house so yes this is this is this is a new thing we have and we're going to quit it there anyway that was uh, the end of the conversation apart from the goodbyes which are quite emotional but you don't need to hear them and that was me in conversation with thomas zimmerman this has been the c86 show i'm david e so if you want to contact me you can on facebook twitter instagram just do c86 show also all these have been archived on spotify itunes podbean check them out they might just change your life anyway have a great week stay safe